hey everyone, welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership always to the next level. We're now exclusively a part of the SU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SU Chief of Staff. And we are absolutely excited today to introduce our guests for today's show, Jimmy and Irene Rollins. Jimmy and Irene have been faithfully pastoring and serving in ministry for well over two decades now. Over 10 years ago, they launched I-5 City, a church known for local outreach and global impact just outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and they uh, serve as apostolic pastors of Union Church, lead the Union Network with supporters uh, that, I mean, literally, you support hundreds of pastors and, yeah. and, and churches and leaders across the nation. So, man, it is awesome to host you here uh, on this podcast today. And we're also recording right now at SU Conf. This is yes. day two right here. You guys were joining us. Jimmy spoke last night. Uh, Pastor Irene, you spoke this morning. It's great to have you guys here with us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yeah. So now, you, you, you have a powerful testimony of breakthrough and and redemption. For those who, you know, who haven't heard your story, tell us a little bit about what you've been through and and how you've overcome some of the challenges. Wow. Wow. Sure. Well, I guess it started, uh, we launched uh, I-5 or relaunched my parents' church in 2011, 2012, like midway through the year. And we had a lot of vision from God. A lot, a lot of, you know, God was really telling us how to impact our city. And we were following those directions and we were going to conferences and learning how to grow and how to set up growth track and all those yeah. different things to grow a church. Uh, but at the, at the sake of honestly neglecting our marriage growth mm. and our family growth mm. uh, and then kind of due to that, like the unhealth. Uh, it was just like, uh, you know, one thing, a chain reaction of unhealth. And mm -hmm. so started personal unhealth and then mm -hmm. emotional unhealth and then spiritual unhealth. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, by all outward signs, the church was doing well and we were doing well, but we weren't doing well behind mm -hmm. the scenes, behind the pulpit. Yeah. Uh, our marriage began to crash and burn. And me, I'll take responsibility as, you know, the spiritual head of our household yeah. is that I wasn't pastoring at home. And mm -hmm. so other things started pastoring. Uh, our house and started leading our house and our pain and trauma, past trauma and addiction and all those kinds of things. And so we, it got funky mm -hmm. for about yeah. four years, yeah. uh, real funky for yeah. four years. And I ended up 420 pounds, just literally a, wow. a, uh, an outward expression of really yeah. what was going on inward. And, uh, and Irene ended up, uh, yeah. in rehab. Yeah. And, uh, and so we were navigating that. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm going to become an alcoholic. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I love yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was serving yeah. God in his church. Um, it like the undealt with stress, pain, mm. trauma, all of that, and not having the awareness of and tools on how to deal with that mm -hmm. as a leader. It wasn't really common for people to say, hey, I'm not okay. I have mm, a problem. Someone right. help me. Yeah. And I'm the leader. So I didn't reach out and I yeah. didn't let anybody know. And I think that isolation mm -hmm. kept us in the getting sicker and sicker yeah. uh, until we finally... Um, thank God for pastors in our life and oversight. Mm -hmm. We reached out to a pastor who got us the help we needed. Yeah. And, you know, we took time to restore mm -hmm. our marriage. I got in rehab, mm -hmm. got the help I needed. And we've been in recovery as a family, as yes. a family, family unit, uh, recovering yeah. together. And you know, what's crazy is like, I, I know even personally, the times in my life where I've been 
the most unhealthy and there's, you know, you go to different seasons, but nobody ever wants to, nobody starts that way, right? Yeah. Like, no, we don't, you don't start, when you start off in ministry, everything's exciting, everything's mm-hmm. going, but it's those little things right at the beginning that you didn't think were a big deal to yeah. go in there. Walk us through some of that with your guys in your own life, or even as you're working with other couples, what are some of those little things that maybe come into marriages at the beginning that don't seem like a big deal that have bigger mm-hmm. consequences at the end? I think it starts with expectations. I think people mm-hmm. come into a marriage with certain expectations, and those expectations are really founded on what they've seen, the model of marriage that they've experienced, the model of marriage that they want. And most of those models have not been great models. Mm -hmm. And so like this whole idea of two equals one, you Mm -hmm. know, is kind of like, well, how can two different people uh, equal one healthy marriage? And Mm -hmm. we've come to discover that our differences don't drive us apart. They actually can make us better. And so our kind of mantra of what we believe is like, our goal is not to think alike, but to think together. together. And then just the diversity of thought is what makes unity. And so first, I'd say just that, just unhealthy expectations of what ministry is going to be, what marriage is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'd say second, communication. Communication, yeah. I mean, we, we, we couldn't communicate till we knew who we were, though. Yeah. Mm. Like, so I think uh, a lot of couples come into ministry or marriage, like, not completely understanding who they are, their own identity, like how they're wired, how they're, what their attachment styles are like, things of that nature. And then like, so we were oblivious of all of that and just went straight into ministry and we were working for God. So it was just like hard work all the time, Mm -hmm. like hours and hours, treasure, time, talent, overboard, boundaryless. And what that is what led to burnout yeah. and um, and unhealth. And so I think that um, as couples enter into ministry, I think like Jimmy said, just that whole understanding expectations and boundaries um, and keeping the marriage the first and primary thing. It's the uh, best gospel message we'll ever preach to the world yeah. is a marriage that stays together and is happy. How much do you guys think like age plays a factor in that, right? Because you got some couples get married super young before they've had a life experiences. Some couples get married older on the older side. Is that a factor at all when you're thinking about these things about I think it's a huge factor. I think, you know, when I I was younger, uh, I'm 48 now, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think coming into, if I had to go back to 38 or 28, at 28 I was just so driven, uh, but I was driven from what I didn't want to be. Right. Like I don't want to be a failure. I don't wow. want to be a mess. I don't wow. want to mess up. I don't want to re- repeat the, you know, the issues that my, you know, forefathers had. And then kind of getting to 38, it was kind of like, who am I? I was like rediscovering myself because I didn't hit my goals the way I wanted to. So I'll say it this way: when when you're younger, it could be that you have in mind a wrong win. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's uh, uh, competitiveness. It's comparison. It's all these. Then here's social media popping up, and and so we've come to discover that if you win at the wrong thing, you'll lose at the right thing. Mm. And so we lost at the right thing for a while, yeah. and that was that this was that Team Rollins was first mm-hmm. between yeah. Team I Five City, and uh, it was really amazing that God allowed us through. Now Irene's six years, three months sobriety. Me losing a hundred. 150 pounds. Um, it, it's amazing to me that ministry didn't really need us. Mm-hmm. Like it, the church grew while we were away a year, you know, on, on a year sabbatical. And I think a lot of times we feel like that we're making we're ministry happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big wow. thing for us. Mm-hmm. And then when the church found out, 
like two, I was two years and three months sober when I shared my story with the church for the first time. And that vulnerability, authenticity, mm. they said, me too. I can wow. connect with that leader wow. and pastor who's, uh, you know, doesn't have this uh, unattainable perfection yeah. leadership role, but is like saying, hey, I'm broken. I need Jesus, just like the people in my congregation. And this is how we got over. And, um, and our church grew. Yeah. Our church grew after that wow. Sunday. Wow. It was amazing. I love the language you use, Team Rollins, and, and <laughs> you talk about the discipline of self-awareness because it is it is a discipline yeah. mm-hmm. in many ways, you know, the personal self-awareness. But as a team, Team Rollins, there is now a new self-awareness That's that right. comes into the picture, and you have to be healthy in that Um that awareness, yeah. and discipline in that. You know, you mentioned that you reached out to finally a, a, a pastoral friend that began to help you mm-hmm. with those issues. Now, a lot of individuals, I think, can struggle to identify when is the right time yeah. to to ask for um, uh, help, and you know whether it's in the workplace or it's in our own personal lives, in, in your ministry, and as you've navigated through all of this, how. How do you help build healthy leaders, build the disciplines that it takes wow. to get there and, and so that they can truly take care of themselves individually, but now, especially in a marriage, the team, mm-hmm. uh, to be healthy as a team together? That's great. Mm-hmm. I think that what comes to mind is regular communication with safe community. Mm, so, so good. Because what happens is in that regular communication that Jimmy had with our pastor, he was able to begin opening up about things that, remember, when you're in the moment, you might not even realize it's dysfunctional because yeah. you're not aware yet. That's huge. So, But just in the conversations that were regular and frequent and that accountability being yeah. there, Jimmy would get vulnerable and transparent in the safe place. And the pastor was able to say, hey, can I give you something to think about? That's not normal. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. Y'all, this is what I'm recommending for you guys for next steps because this is headed in a bad direction. And um, you have a lot to lose and there's a lot at stake. So I think that, um, you know, just having that safe accountability space on a regular basis was good for us. Um, So how do leaders like create that accountability space? So like if you're, you maybe you're a little bit further along the path, you want to be that kind of person that others can come to, or, you know, in your marriage, how do you create safe places like that for people? Uh, I think there's kind of three levels of accountability um, that you can find, you know, or start with Mm -hmm. one of the levels. I think that there's peer accountability. That's like side by side people who you can call who can't fire you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right, like right. and say, hey, I'm struggling yeah. with this. And then there's, uh, you know, I'll call it leadership accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, someone in your life who you who you deem a leader, someone mm-hmm. who has uh, overcome some things, mm-hmm. someone who has some wisdom, some yeah. age, some wins under their belt. You know, I think that that's key. And then I think that there's like a mentor accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's like even for my son. My son became a form of accountability for me. Wow. And the more I told him, the more I didn't want to embarrass him the more I didn't want to let him down. I wanted him to feel like, man, if my dad can do it, then I can do it. And that honestly was the greatest form of accountability to me. And so I think a lot of times people say, well, I don't trust people. 
Well, who, who trusts you? Mm-hmm. That could be a form of accountability. Who's beside you that you would call friend that would show yeah. up? Who's your, who's your Silas if you're Paul? Who's your Paul if you're Silas? Who's the person? Mm-hmm. Who's your Shadrach, Meshach? Like, who's the people in the fire with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look around, you have that. But then I also think a big part of having it, Dr. Ingle, and this is what I love with, at, at Southeastern University. Like, this is all about. I love how the teachers are engaging the students. I love how the campus, pat, like, there's an intentional thing for people to have a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I think what this is key, we have a generation of young leaders who have no place to call home. Mm. You know, they're not sent by a church. They're actually mad at the church they were at. And they don't have father figures. And when you don't don't have that, you don't know you need Mm -hmm. it until you need it. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of too late. Right. Right? And so I think we just need to be proactively Mm -hmm. finding, breaking the nomadic characteristic of a generation and, exactly. and having a place to call home so that we can call someone father or leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's so much, I mean, you see it like all over Twitter, all over social media, right? This rise of like, you should go get counseling. You should, you know, do mental health, which I agree with. I'm yeah. a part of it. But what, I see that also is this massive gap because there's no pastoring happening. Yep. I mean, you think two back two three generations, you didn't have access to a counselor, yeah. you didn't have access to therapist. The person you went to was your pastor, yeah. your local community. And the fact we've reached this point as a church and a society where people don't feel like they can do that with their pastor anymore, yeah. or they don't feel like they can get, you know. And obviously, pastors aren't equipped for the deep level yeah. stuff, and everybody should be going to who they should go to. But man, like that's hmm. where we need to be training our next generation of Absolutely. church leaders. How do you pass? your community? How do you get them the help that they need great. and working on there and stuff? What would you advice would you give to new pastors as they're stepping into that role for guiding people on that? I would say um, to new shepherds yeah. that you want to shepherd your flock mm-hmm. into caring for their emotions. Yeah. Like just an emotionally healthy leader, an emotionally healthy uh, person yeah. is going to have a mature growth and be mature, mm-hmm. uh, spiritually mature. You know, Pete Scarezzo says it, says it so well, so that's from his books. And um, I think that that type of focus, <laughs> if we focus on shepherding people and teaching them about emotional health and how it impacts our entire well-being, then we're going to have less counseling sessions, less Mm. crisis management, less marriages falling apart. Like if we get proactive about teaching that, because let's be honest, it's if we come from dysfunctional families, (laughs) all of us, like every generation has an opportunity to create new um, and break old uh, generational curses and uh, ways of dysfunctional thinking and living. So if we are in this generation, um, just um, help me here, babe, like Mm. it's our job to not only break the generational curses, but normalize it. Normalize the working through Mm. all of these things to create healthy homes, marriages that stay together. Mm -hmm. If the marriages stay together, the homes get healthier with every generation, then we're changing the world. Right. right. Yeah. Like we're changing the world That's if right. we do that. Let me ask you this. How, how do you defeat? What, what are steps that you take to defeat the enemy's voice that is constantly in wow. our ear, <laughs> accusing us or isolating us? I, I was reading in my devotions, I actually shared a message um, not long ago about Elijah and that powerful ministry event where he calls fire from heaven (laughs) and consumes those prophet of Baals and then turns around and runs because one person 
and we know who that was, mm-hmm. said, I'm going to kill you for yes. what you've just done. And now he is all depressed. But when you think about all the issues in our lives, how the enemy's voice comes in and accuses us or isolates us. And he, in fact, literally want just take my life yeah. because I'm the only one that's yeah. going through this. Nobody else could go through this. Yeah. And, and I love then how, how, how he's ministered to by God both physically and spiritually, by the way, because it says the angel came and fed him in the midst of that. But then spiritually, the word of the Lord came to him and declared the word that um, there's not only uh, you, but there are thousands of others wow. mm-hmm. that that are in the same that want to be faith, and so he he had to learn how to defeat the enemy's voice. And I I have to imagine as you went through all of those things, and now that you've gone through and you've been able to bring health and restoration in a way that, um, wow, it's just amazing to see how God is using you both now. But. But the enemy's voice has to still right. come in there because mm-hmm. what the scripture says he wants to rob, kill, and destroy everything. So how do you, even on a daily basis, destroy that? Wow, what a great thought. First Incredible. of all, I'm stealing that message. Uh-huh. You. I'm going to go find that. <laughs> yeah. and I'll give you credit the first time. <laughs> yeah. hey, good. Uh, I think for me, and I can speak personally, You know, people always ask me, why are you so transparent? Why are you so vulnerable? Um, and this is just... I've just decided to live this way because I, I hid and lived such a false yeah. reality yeah. for so yeah. long uh, that I realized when I started to talk about it, when I started to testify, when I started to get uh, real and vulnerable and transparent, I actually took away the weapon of the enemy to remind wow, me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're already talking about it, the enemy can't remind you of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. And so we take, we take away the power mm-hmm. from, and that's why, you know, Scripture encourages us, like, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes. Testimony requires talking. Right. Yeah. Talking True. requires relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The enemy's job is to divide. So if he can divide relationship, he keeps you in shame. Yeah. He keeps you from not mm-hmm. sharing with someone. One of the other things I learned uh, through this process, and I'm still learning, is that Freedom is not perfection. Oh, that's like good. true freedom is mm-hmm. never, it, it's not that I never struggle again. That's not true freedom. Right. True freedom is having nothing to hide. Yeah. So and good. If I'm always talking about something that yep. I don't, I'm not hiding it. Yep. And this is the first time in my life. I'm 48 years old. It took 45 years. Yeah. To define freedom. Freedom doesn't mean that I don't struggle with a thought. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with insecurity. It means I don't struggle with, you know, regular men Mm -hmm. stuff. What it means is I'm talking about it to somebody. Yeah. And now the enemy can't duplicate because it's in darkness. Right. I've just exposed it to the light. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. That is so good. If I had to add anything, I would just, Mm -hmm. that's so good, Jimmy. Um, I would just add for me, um, because I struggled so much in my thought life with negative Mm -hmm. self-thought, self-talk. Yeah. I had to create disciplines in my life where I spent time meditating in the word mm. because that created the new neuropathway in my brain because right. I had said something negative over myself for so long. So when um, I love the fact that God turns everything around for good because me going to rehab for my alcoholism, I learned these tools where I could stop the thought. So um, I am full, I have authority by the word of God, but mm. I also practically can renew the mind by this re 
repeat and meditation on the Word of God, and then looking at the voice, what the voice said, <laughs> what the enemy's trying to whisper in my ear, yeah. Yeah. and is it true? Yeah. Ask myself. I love is how it you do that with your hand. Yeah, can you, can yeah you, I look yeah. at it like yes. some like the enemy will throw right. something at me and yeah. I catch I it. Uh-huh. And I look at it and I'm like, is this thought yeah. true? Right. How does it line up to the word of God? If it's not, I throw it right back. There it is. You can have that shame, you can have that <laughs> yeah. uh and, you know, false yeah, whatever. I mean that's practical tools. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, we don't teach sometimes those practical right. uh, tools. I, I love to, to hear more about your personal um, passions and the skills that you use in your ministry. I, I, Irene, you actually are a certified emotional intelligence coach, mm-hmm. which I, I love that with a desire to, I think, use your, your experiences, your recovery experience to help others, you know, defeat these self, um, uh, you know, defeating habits. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that and how are you, how are you teaching uh, the same accountability and, and, and discipline that you have used in your own life? Um, first of all, the Lord's opened these doors for me to share it. Um, I never signed up to be a public speaker. It's yeah. just one of those things I said yes to yeah. because... And you're amazing. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And I just, I said yes because the Lord rescued me mm. from myself. How could I not serve him in any way? So he gives me, obviously, a pl- the platform and the stage. It's not that ca- the case for everyone. So I don't want to minimize... And I hope the listeners do not ever take for granted if it's just simply sharing with one person. Yeah. It's so powerful, yeah. that one person yeah. that you can share one-on-one with, that you can radically change the trajectory of their um, entire family yeah. and generations. Like, I remember the woman on the plane who uh, was on my way to my intervention in Ohio, and um, this woman on the plane... I she didn't know we had set her up. Yeah. <laughs> I had complained bitterly to her that, um, what's the big deal about drinking? Why does my husband get so upset with me? I'm, you know, yeah. this woman doesn't know me from Adam. And she started... Started to just share with me her experience of how she gave up alcohol wow. and, you know, her life's been better because of it. And, yeah. you know, that was ministry to me. Yeah. Wow. She has no idea God sent her as an angel to share oh, yeah. with me, to encourage me that maybe you can and should give up alcohol if yeah. your life is falling apart. So, like, to things as simple as um, celebrating ce- celebrate recovery. Right. I do a lot of work with Celebrate Recovery from the National mm-hmm. Summit that mm-hmm. they uh, hold to um, just introducing churches and the importance of it to leaders yep. in implementing Celebrate Recovery in mm-hmm. their churches. Because pastors can benefit from having this um, ministry where it's a Bible-based recovery, yeah. 12-step recovery program. It's huge. All the 12 steps are doing mm-hmm. is retraining the brain and renewing the mind sure. right. yeah. and aligning it with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So whether it's you're in Celebrate Recovery from a trauma, codependency, um, you're in a, one thing I identify with is I'm an adult child of family dysfunction. Mm. So in my Celebrate Recovery group, I'm in a safe Celebrate Recovery yeah. group with other pastor's wives mm. who have experienced what I've experienced, right. um, the 
some of the things that we go through as leaders, and we work through that together. So um, writing a book mm -hmm. is another thing I do. Um, I, it launches this July. Oh, it's wow. called uh, Reframe Your Shame, uh, Experience oh gosh, Freedom from Whatever's Holding You Back. Yeah. Right? And uh, people ask me all the time, uh, can you mentor me? Can you, mm -hmm. um, you know, tell me how you did it? Yeah. How did you get free? Well, this is, I can't meet with everybody, can't right. talk to everybody. It's in this book. Mm, so if it just gives you an idea of how you might be able to apply recovery mm -hmm. in your life, no matter whether it's addiction or yeah. grief yeah. or, you know, anger, whatever it is, but walking through my journey and just exposing mm -hmm. people, yeah. just mm -hmm. simply make creating an awareness around the different forms and types of recovery paths we yeah. can all go through. Now, obviously, we want everybody to go grab the book when it's out. So yeah. that's where everything is mm -hmm. in there. What's If you could give us like one tool that you talk about in that, that you're writing about, thinking about in that book that people could start implementing in their lives right now, what, what would that be? Um, I would say just reaching out for help. Yeah. yeah. Like that whole getting honest mm -hmm. thing with someone. Mm -hmm. um, people who don't get well are typical and don't experience freedom in life are people who are incapable of being completely honest yeah. with themselves wow. and with God and then with others. So I would say if I gave you a tool, it would learn how to be honest. Mm -hmm. You can start small, talk to God, write it down in a journal, mm -hmm. you know, maybe make a, make a next step and join a small group and great. start sharing there. But like just being honest is mm. is the first step because mm. when we admit that we're broken, we're hurting, we're happy, yeah. we're whatever emotion we're experiencing, we'll train ourselves to feel the acceptance from those who are the are listening. It's great. Like so. I love it. It's gonna be a great book. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited for it. It's good. Um, uh, Jimmy, I want to. Uh, you've worked a lot in the area of racial uh, reconciliation yeah. um, and, and have me uh, mediated many conversations, I think, promoting awareness, healing, uh, unity. How, how did your personal um, experiences motivate you in this endeavor? And what have you found are the most effective me methods to help I in our communities in wow. unifying? Wow, that's that's just great. That's a great question. I think I, uh, I'm I just turned in my manuscript uh, for for this conversation right here, oh, wow. and it's called Love Outside the Lines. Wow. And uh, one of the things that um, I believe is a huge principle um, is just the art of communication, the art of listening. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this whole even it kind of it's weird because this whole two equals one thing kind of comes into mm. the idea of the book, right? Psalms one thirty three says, "How good and pleasant is brethren dwell together in unity." And I started just looking at the word unity. Well, the word unity would not exist unless diversity was real, right? That's and right. so, That's like, right. in yeah. order to have unity, you have to have diversity of mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. So, if we have a unity of thought, we have diversity of thought. So, what does that mean? My, to me, it means this: if we were to able to have conversation, where my goal was not to convince you of anything, mm. but just to give you a perspective, what it would do is it would tear down defensiveness. Right. Right. It would tear down uh, what's dividing us. Yep. Um, and I think if we can get to the place where we can do relationship 
mm-hmm. long enough past our political differences, mm-hmm. past the color of our skin, past our gender, past our socioeconomic status, and just listen and experience things from another point of view, then the word empathy comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now we can have empathy. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that that's your experience without that I have nothing to do with it. I don't have to mm-hmm. own right. because my ancestors did that. I don't have to own anything mm-hmm. other than, man, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Right. And if we can have that kind of conversation, yeah. then we can get to know each other. Right. I, I think the whole thing of division is we just don't know, don't each, know other. each other. Right. We don't know each other's path. Mm-hmm. We don't know each other's pressure. Right. We don't understand why someone votes this way or why someone votes mm-hmm. that way. We don't think about those things because we only look at life from the lenses of our own perspective. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And so uh, willing to, Paul said it this way, and I love the message version, I entered into their world and tried to experience things yeah. from their point of view. Uh, yep. He goes on and says, I did mm-hmm. it because of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, not the gossip. No, right. I did it because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Not the gossip, gossip on Fox or mm-hmm. MSNBC yep. or CNN. Right. I did yep. it because of the gospel. The yeah. gospel message mm-hmm. requires listening. Yeah. Jesus modeled that in John 4, the woman at the well. Yeah. He listened. She listened. Mm-hmm. And then they had conversation. I don't think we'll ever get to unity mm-hmm. until we get to diversity. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever get to diversity. Until we get to dignity, mm. everyone deserves a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's so powerful. And so, when you think about when you're having these conversations, right? Especially when you, you know, politics is this kind of major dividing line across yeah. the board and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we've always talked about it that both sides of the aisle want things that are very similar if they got yeah. around to talk about it. In your perspective. What does the average American want? What do we want as our community, no matter what communities that we're living in, that we could maybe start rallying around together? Redemption. Mm-hmm. So when we look at, we can look at so many things that divides us. Mm-hmm. Let's find some things that unify us. Yeah. Like cancer has no color. Yeah. Right. That's right. Grief, depression, discouragement, yep. anxiety. Addiction. Su- addiction, mm-hmm. suicide. It has no color. Yeah. So... Let's look at the thing that doesn't divide us, sin. Mm-hmm. And now we see what unites us, yep. yeah. sin. Yeah. We all have the need for a savior. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is we haven't put certain ideologies in the category of sin. Yeah. Mm. And so if we have certain ideologies that are bigger than that, then they're actually idols. Right. And they're getting in the way of mm-hmm. right. reaching people. Mm-hmm. Could it be that the body of Christ has not experienced the fullness of all that God has for us because we're so busy making a point. Mm. It enables us to make a difference. Wow. Mm. That's so good. That's powerful. Uh, Man, we could, we could camp on that for a long time. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you uh, the final question, then we'll move into a fire round. This has been a great conversation. Um, Both of you have stepped into, um, what an overseer's role now for uh, Union Church and Jimmy, you're a strategic, you're partners for the uh, for Arc Association mm-hmm. related churches. Tell us what drives um, individuals, Christians, especially to step into roles like this, to serve as an overseer, to mm-hmm. lead, to guide, to. I think for me, and I know for Irene, it, it, we've just come to understand that our greatest misery. Mm-hmm has the potential to be God's greatest ministry. Yeah. 
if we'll pick up our mat and carry it. Carry it. Mm-hmm. Right? Ask the paralytic guy. Yeah. Uh, it was a year ago, a year and six months ago, I felt a shift in my spirit. And I took time to listen. Mm-hmm. And I said, I told Irene, I need 30 days, no phone, no church. I need to hear from God. I went to counseling uh, in the middle of the mountains. Pastoral Reboot Center. Uh, a re- a pastoral oh, wow. Reboot yeah. Center. And I said, mm-hmm. hey, I got this idea. And I began to talk to this guy about, I think I'm supposed to be, step away from ministry mm. in the capacity I'm doing it. And he's like, are you serious? He's like, I've never heard anyone say that. Mm. And I realized that the grace for what I was doing was running out because I was more frustrated than mm-hmm. I was filled with faith. Yeah. And the Lord spoke to me one night. And I woke up, I ran, and he said this. He said, Jimmy, I want you to give up your stage. And for the rest of your life, I want you to help people stay on theirs. Mm. And for us, it was a call. I have friends who have fallen in ministry. Yeah. I have people that I looked up to that now no one's looking up to. And I look at church planners and I look at the college students last night. And I got up on stage and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we've let you down. Yeah. I'm sorry that we have put you following us as a priority rather than you following Jesus. And I feel like something shifted in my heart that if I'm honest, I had to be willing, up, willing to give up the bad idea that I was building my kingdom and go back to the call when God first called me to build his. And what better way to build his kingdom than to pastor people yeah. and lead people who are called to be shepherds. Shepherds, right. shepherds need a shepherd. Come yeah. on. Wow. Every pastor needs a pastor. Every leader needs a leader. Yeah. Every father needs a father. Yeah. And I think that if we have, I honestly feel like I'm 48 years old mm. and it took 47 years to find what I was purposed to do. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I love what we get to do. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, just because you're, called to preach doesn't mean you're called to lead a church. Right. 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 Just because you can sing doesn't make you a worship leader. Right. And I think the pressure of society and culture um, can be, uh, can have us chasing after the wrong thing. Right. And I just refuse to chase after the wrong thing. I'm going to chase after Jesus and I'm going to teach young guys Mm -hmm. to chase after Jesus. Yeah. And I love it. It's so powerful what you're talking about, how you, you listen to what was happening. Yeah. You know, and I think there's so many people, maybe even people listening to this podcast right now, who maybe they're more in that situation than even they realize yeah. there's signs happening. You know, Irene, with your with your emotional intelligence coaching, what are some of the things you, you should be listening to? What are those signs where you say, okay, God's moving you into a new season, maybe you think, making you think of a new thing? Sure. Um, you, you got to listen to your life, like you right. said. The signs are there. And when you look around, are you more frustrated yeah. than you are enjoying that season of life? Like, what are, the, if you look around, um, let me just walk you through. Jimmy was frustrated. It was difficult for him to come up with a message wow, for yeah. Sunday, something <laughs> that had once energized him and he was so excited yeah. all week to do. It, he dreaded it. There was wow. a dread. Um, 
we felt the grace lift. He was moody. Mm. Go ahead, tell him. Go ahead. I'm going to be, be honest. Be so he was he, <laughs> literally, he, he was moody all the time. He got grumpy. He was mean. Like, yeah. we were like, we had to have an intervention as a family with the kids and sit him down. Like, Dad, what's going on? The kids yeah, said. Yeah. Because you don't enjoy what you're doing. Mm. So it was obvious to us as the people close to him that he wasn't enjoying what yeah. he was doing. It was no longer fulfilling him. Yeah. So his awareness of that was amazing. Notice, see, two equals one. A mar- m- married people should be the closest people, right? Mm-hmm. That you, 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 and, your spouse. you yeah. and your spouse, the two, the, a married couple. I'm okay with the fact that he sought God and he went and got pastored by a pastoral counselor at this pastoral re- reboot center and began to unpack it <laughs> outside of me. Because I respect the fact that he's an individual who Mm -hmm. hears from God and needed to get some clarity himself first before he brought me in. Because I was emotionally tied to this thing. I was just starting a like ministry again and loving serving God in that capacity. So it was really a shift for me as well. But I came into agreement when I saw him come alive. And really, honestly, we had already been doing Mm -hmm. the pastoring pastors and leaders thing. Yeah, We had already been doing it. Mm-hmm. What was getting hard was trying to do both, lead right. a church and yeah. lead pastors and leaders. We didn't have the capacity to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just we listened to our life. What was our life saying? And our life was saying it's time for a necessary ending. I think there's one just quick thing I'll say is like for me when I was evaluating that, I was on a mountain. Mm-hmm. I don't go to the mountains. I don't know if you can tell. It's like not yeah. my thing. <laughs> um, I was on a mountain. I was just sitting in quiet, and I realized something. What's the thing that brings me the most amount of life? Mm. Golf, mm. relationships, spending time. What's the thing that brings me the most amount of frustration? Pastoring, mm-hmm. leading, budgets, staff meetings. Mm. Um, and then I looked at those two things. If the thing that brings you the most amount of frustration is not the thing that brings you the most amount of life when you're not frustrated, then why are you still doing that thing? Yeah, wow. Yeah. And I realized that church wasn't bring, doing church mm-hmm. at that capacity wasn't bringing me life. It was bringing yeah. me more frustration. Yeah. You know what's bringing me life now? Helping guys who are in that same situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Helping couples who are in that same situation. So I'm, I, I came alive. Mm-hmm. So I just had to share that because I think that's a very practical Absolutely. assessment. And, and as a follow-up to that, before I, we're going to mm-hmm. move in the fire round here. But... Um, you know, there's a lot of students listening. Um, you you mentioned, uh, what, 47 years yeah. before you really discovered. And the phrase we use around here is divine design. It's great. Um, because that's, that's our, man, these amazing students that God sends our way. We just, we want to help them to discover and yeah. develop that divine design, the yeah. way God made them and wired them and, 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 and equipped them uh, in, you know, with their, with their abilities, their personalities, their gifts, their experiences, the people that he's put in their lives, the parents, I mean, all of these things. Yeah. How, how do you, what do you say to these students at this age that, man, you wish you knew when you were that age, wow. that would have helped accelerate that ability, or do you think it does take some time? In the sense, you got to go through a lot of different. But are there things that even now um, they can begin to do to say, "Man, now I know that's 
God's divine wow. design for me? First of all, what a great question. And I, this is the message I had wrote or written last night mm-hmm. that I was going to preach had not God moved this way. Right. But I think the first thing is no, trying to define what you're not. Yeah. I think we live in a society, in a culture, everyone's trying to find who they are. And they're like, man, am I good at this? Am I good at that? No, find out what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. And then don't do anything that aligns with that. Yeah. And then kind of it could feel like this is in direct opposition to what I just said, but it's, it, I want you to catch mm-hmm. this. I think the second thing is, is understanding young people that there are things that you're going to have to do until you get the things you love to do, to yeah. do the things you love to do. Yeah. Have to do? It's assignment. It's work. It's going through the process. It's being processed. Mm-hmm. It's being corrected. It's being directed. It's having wisdom over you. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, you're going to have to do some things until you get to do what you love to do. Right. Yeah. And I think um, those two things are great. Yeah. I think the next thing is, and this is going to be, uh, I think, it's mind-blowing to me still, is you have to be free from the opinions of people. Mm. I allowed for a long time what society said what was a form of success to drive my desires. Wow. It drove my divine design. It wasn't divine. It was a desire Mm. because of this is what culture said is successful. This is what you're supposed to do. And so I think for me, it's that. And then just stop counting start weighing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us, we, uh, you know, I, I live, well, I lived in Maryland and, and, you know, we buy crabs and you buy them by the, the dozen. And then also now I love shrimp. You mm-hmm. buy them by the weight. And I think a lot of times with success, we are only driven by what we can count, mm-hmm. not what we can weigh. Got it. And sometimes like last night's service, mm-hmm. I can't tell you like how many hands would up for salvation. I can't tell you, mm. but I can tell you the spiritual weight that was in that room. Yeah. God did some things that you can't count. Yeah. Young people, stop counting. Yeah. Start weighing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So good. That it's is good. great. Love well, it. uh, we want to move into our uh, <laughs> to our frying pan, if you will, Let's so to go. speak, and ask you just some quick questions based on everything we've kind of discussed. And uh, again, just uh, as you always do, what what's in your heart? Just answer. Mm-hmm. We want to grab again some few a few practical and applicable pieces of advice. So, Michael, uh, we just got to I think do three questions. Yep. So, I'll let you start out. All right, all right, right off the bat, and I really want to hear from from both of you guys, but spe- uh, specifically Irene on this one. Um, what's the number one piece of advice you give? for those that are trying to avoid or overcome those self-defeating habits? Get honest. (laughs) (laughs) Admit the issue. Mm -hmm. You have to come to terms with the fact that it, like, it's a problem. Yeah. Like, other people are talking about it. You may, you know, ask someone, what is, do I have any blind spots? Yeah, that's great. Like, you know, get some feedback on it because you're not perfect. Yeah. So, admit where you need to work Mm -hmm. and um, go from there. Um, Accept that it's going to be a process and apply the work, do the yeah. work. That's great. Love it. Cool. Anything to add to that? No, I think that, that set it up. Yeah. I mean, I think okay. in every area, admit, yeah. accept, apply. Yeah, mm-hmm. Love it. so good. Perfect. What's the first step that, that someone should take when they know I have to have that difficult conversation with my spouse? 
Wow. I think, uh, first of all, I think having it like a goal mm -hmm. in the conversation is not to be right, but mm. to be heard. To be heard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if we don't have the goal set, if a facial expression can throw off mm -hmm. how we communicate. Right. Body language throws off how we communicate. So if you come in as a safe space when you're sharing something that may potentially be unsafe for the person, you maintain your posture. Mm -hmm. You maintain your your humility. Mm -hmm. uh, and you and you share it in a way. If the goal is not to bring life at the end of the conversation, then it's not time to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. If the goal is just to get it off your chest, it's not time to have the conversation. Yeah. A counselor does that. Yeah. But a conversation at the end, the goal should be that we grow from this, that yeah. we move on from this, that it brings life to our marriage. So if you can't confront without bringing life, then it's not time to confront. There you go. Awesome. Last question for us. What is the most difficult part about growing and creating a healthy ministry, and how do you get through that barrier? I think, the, it, again, it goes mm. back to me, the, the counting. I feel like we didn't I, – I thought that the church needed me mm. until I took a year off and it grew without me. Yeah. And now I'm not doing it. And it's growing ten Even times faster, faster than yeah. I could ever. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think, so I'm going to say this, get over ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're not all that. Yeah. Don't believe your own press. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stay humble. Mm -hmm. Have people who can tell you no. Yeah. Have people who can say, hey, man, you got something in your nose. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That sermon wasn't great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way you led that staff meeting was a little angry. Yeah. And be, have people in your life mm -hmm. who don't call you boss. Right. But call you friend. Yeah. And I think for us, it's like, man, I wish if I could do it all over again, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have hired some people who were in the category of friend that I just needed a friend, not an employee. Mm. Wow. But I was always trying to get everybody around me that, right, that loved me and yeah. liked me. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and I wish I had. And what it does is, right. And really, what it does is, you don't give permission for people to just be honest and mm -hmm. with you if their honesty is connected to, you know, their mm -hmm. stability financially. And so, like, accountability is key for me. Mm -hmm. I'll say it this way very quick transparency is what I let you see, mm -hmm. vulnerability is what I let you know. Mm -hmm. Accountability is what I let you hold. Mm -hmm. Intimacy is when I have nothing to hide. You can't get to intimacy until there's transparency, vulnerability, and accountability. Yeah. And I've learned that having nothing to hide mm -hmm. is way easier to live out than continuing to pretend to be something you're not. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's evident in your lives. And, and man, that's what's compelling to... Uh, want to hang out with you both i mean my goodness rubbing shoulders every time i get the chance to and and i've been with you a few times uh, not i haven't been with irena as much but i'm telling you just i mean our i've already learned even today just in our conversation wow. how to be a better a better person a better husband better mm -hmm. better father better uh you know leader of this university um and what is it that is so exciting about being with you is your you're real and you're honest and you're transparent wow. and you don't get that from so many people yeah and um 
and that's why God's using you in a powerful way. And I can't wait for your books to come out because we're going to build them into our curriculum here. Let's because go. I, listening to what they're all about, uh, every single one of our students need they need to read those books because that will be that will help them uh, as they journey. Wow in their discovery of what God has for mm-hmm. their lives. So thank you for joining us uh, for this conversation. Powerful, grateful for your insight that you've provided all of us. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. We're grateful. Thank Honored. You so much. Yeah, love having you guys on the show. If you want to stay up to date with Jimmy and Irene, you can follow them on Instagram. I am Jimmy Rollins and uh, at Irene Rollins. If you want to keep up with Kent and I, you can follow Kent on Instagram, Kent underscore Ingle. And uh, you can follow me at Dr. Michael Steiner. Uh, and if you're watching us on YouTube right now, go ahead, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right to your feed every single week. You can also check out Kent on Twitter every single day. Love the daily inspirational tweet at Kent Engel. And if you want more content in your email inbox, I love reading things in an email inbox, a little nice put together newsletter. You can sign up for the for the Framework Leadership newsletter, kentengel.com. Thank you all so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody. 